from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Talking Catholic, the official podcast of the Catholic community of South Jersey. I am Pete Sanchez, your co-host with Michael Walsh, Director of Communications for the Star Herald. For, for the Diocese of Camden and the Star Herald. Sure. Michael, how are you today? I'm very well, sir. And uh, yourself? I'm doing wonderful. We are here a few days before the start of summer. It's crazy. Well, the unofficial start of summer. Memorial Day week. For those yes. of us, for listeners in the South Jersey area, we know that the summer actually starts around Memorial Day, which is the when we, f- we finally get to fight through proper shore traffic on our ways to our yeah. our homes as Pennsylvanians uh, inf- infiltrate the beautiful and bucolic South Jersey with their their inability to drive properly and know that a left-hand yeah. lane is for passing only. I know I live right near a major artery between uh, the Jersey Shore and uh, Philadelphia that gets clogged. 73? Uh, 70. 70. Mm-hmm. And it is nuts this time of year. Mm-hmm. And that, too, with schools not out, schools got about another month. So there are school buses, there are uh, station wagons with surfboards strapped to the top. And now, see the visuals I like. Don't get me wrong. If, yeah, for, for, visual, for my yeah. even for my hatred of the the Pennsylvania <laughs> driver, not Pennsylvanians, just the Pennsylvania <laughs> drivers. Um, uh, I love seeing the surfboards on the top or the the bike racks coming down and the and the back of the the minivan or SUV filled to the brim with everything for for going down to the shore house. I, I, that actually makes me happy because I'm like, oh, it's the summertime. I'm you know, time for some, uh, hopefully, some relaxation and vacation and times with kith and kin. However, um, if they could only just learn to drive properly, I, I'd, yeah. I'd be much happier. And if they could space it out a little bit, we don't. You don't have to leave at one o'clock. Everybody doesn't have to leave at one o'clock on the Friday before Memorial Day, as I'm trying to drive home. No, to I, lovely Glassboro. Yeah, it's. I I actually um, have you heard of Chris Stefanik, Mike? The he's a Catholic uh, personality. Sounds familiar, but he's, for, reason, uh, for whatever he, reason, not popping into my head right he, now. He has a show on EWTN called Real Life Catholic. And talking about the beach, I'm thinking of, he talked, uh, he had a great analogy of the beach. When we walk to the water itself, our back is turned to the world. We're actually entering into something beautiful, infinite, and lovely. And Every wave that comes upon us, if we think of us, if we think of as a Catholic life, we are called to turn our backs to the culture in some way and go forward in the infinite, in the beautiful. Wow. And every wave is a wave of grace. This is his, and pardon the pun, but it was very deep, that thought that he... You were so close to making that a really good reference, and you just killed it with a pun. No, but I, uh, yeah, I know, but I, I do think it's perfect analogy. I it really is. That's that's lovely. I, no, I have not heard that before, and that really is very sweet. It is, and so maybe you know we can think about that as we're plunging into the water. I know I myself plan on going to the beach. Maybe not this weekend, but soon, very very soon. I might not come back, Mike. Okay, well, I'll find another. Coast. Or we'll It'll do a beach podcast. But hey, listen, we've been threatening to do a, a short <laughs> tour of the podcast. Uh, that may have to happen. Sounds. Sounds great. Well, coming up, of course, we talked about Memorial Day. Why do we celebrate Memorial Day? To remember uh, our fallen uh, servicemen and women 
who uh, who bravely served our country. Um, there's going to be uh, at all the South Jersey's Catholic cemeteries. I think all of them. There's going to be uh, Memorial Day masses. Uh, so anybody wants to come uh, to various locations to pray for your dearly departed loved ones. Um, and so come on out. It's Atlantic County, Camden County, Cape May County. I'm not going to read them all, but you can go to SouthJerseyCatholicCemeteries.org or, as we've said, all this information is on CamdenDiocese.org, the calendar. So this is going to be this Monday, May 28th. It seems a lot of them are... All of them are in the morning. Some of them are at 7 9, 11, 8 30. So come on out to uh, to for a Memorial Day and uh, Memorial Day service at a Catholic cemetery and remember those who have sacrificed. And then a week from tomorrow, well, Friday, June 1st, we have the Red, White, and Blue Mass uh, for those police, military, first responders, correction officers, EMTs, and veterans. They're all invited to attend and wear your Class A uniform. This is going to be June 1st at St. Mary's School, 735 Union Road in Vineland. That's going to be starting at 9 a.m. So RSVP to call Carol Kirschman at 856-692-8537, extension 324. So that's Friday, June 1st, 9 a.m. at St. Mary's School in Vineland, red, white, and blue mass for uh, police, military, first responders, veterans, all invited to attend. Mike, we got an exciting event coming up. Um, coming up uh, June 13th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, uh, St. Gianna, Pre- Gianna Breda Mola Parish, who we just talked about, St. Gianna. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori Power and I did on the Talking Saints. Uh, but in Northfield, New Jersey, St. Gianna Brennamola Parish on 1421 New Road is having a uh, carnival and feast in honor of the Feast of St. Anthony. So there's going to be a procession to honor St. Anthony. There's going to be rides, games, delicious food, music, and entertainment. And it's 6 to 10 on June 13th through the 16th. Um, are you going to go, Mike, or are you and your son Think gonna try to make it out. I, I try to hit every carnival I can. I'm a, a huge proponent of carnivals, um, so if I can make it there, I will. Between carnival rides and carnival food, I, I try not to miss any of the uh, the local carnivals. Well, I had it's funny, you know, you're talking about the carnivals. I went to Six Flags Great Adventure with Youth Rally last name, week with Catholic Youth. Humble brag. Yes. Name, name dropper. <laughs> I guess it is a humble brag, but it was fun. It was. Um, I had a churro, and it was one of those moments where, no, the churro's good. I'm but not, then okay. people of our group left, and it's these nuns from Hamilton. They're lovely sisters. They're from, uh, they're Hispanic. They're from South America. And uh, they were, you know, I just finished the churro, and they're like, oh, we're going to try to get some uh, um, uh, funnel cake. And I was like, I should not have had the churro because then I would have been able to have funnel cake. I don't know. You were you were in the hot sun and walking around all day. I think you probably burned off enough calories to do churro and funnel cake. I don't. Yeah, my app was telling me I walked seven miles. See, all day I could have done it, but I just, it didn't feel right. Mike. Well, you, you, it was good that you made the the healthy decision not to. I I don't. I'm not convinced I'd be <laughs> able to do the same de- thing. A healthy decision that involved the to, churro to is limit that what you're yourself t- to a churro. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, I will take a healthy decision to eat a churro mm-hmm. any day of the week, but I that might be fake news, Mike. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> what is not fake news, but what is joyful news, are the ordinations of two new priests in the Diocese of Camden, uh, Deacon Anthony Infanti and Deacon Joshua Nevitt, will be ordained to the priesthood on Saturday, June 16th at 10.30 a.m. at the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in Camden. All are welcome to join us as they enter the presbyterate. They begin serving our local church as priests of Jesus Christ. It's wonderful, Mike. I know these two men uh, pretty well, and they're just they're amazing examples of just good, solid individuals. I am so happy they're about to become shepherds. Yeah, no, they are. They are going to be uh, uh, wonderful additions to the uh, the priests of uh, the Camden Diocese. They are learned and lovely and compassionate and caring. And uh, I, I honestly and truly believe that uh, we will all benefit the having them in the in the diocese as priests. And and for those who have never been to an ordination, and we mentioned it last week on the podcast, but you know, really come out to it. It's it's wonderful. I, I you know, we many of us got up early, myself included, to watch the uh, the wedding of uh, the the Duke and Duchess of Sussex uh, in uh, in England. And I tell people that you know I. I have a fascination for that, not because I have any particular love for the royalty of of the of England. However, I do like the pomp and circumstance. I always get a, a kick out of that. And the ordination of a new priest is is probably as much pomp and circumstance as we get uh, locally in our Catholic Church. And it's really great. I mean, all the priests of the diocese come out. All the priests of the deacons come out. The bishop is there. It's this wonderful, joyous, that solemn moment when these these two men pledge themselves to to be Christ representatives on earth, and uh, and it's it's a very moving um, it's a very moving mass, and I I do hope that anyone who hasn't uh, been to an ordination before will come out. It's even more special when it's it's more than one priest. We we haven't had a multiple priest ordination in, in a few years. So uh, it'll be even more joyous because of that. So two new two new shepherds come out and uh, welcome them with us. You'll be there. I'll be there. It'll be great. It'll be and and are you going to make scones this time, Mike? <laughs> I don't know. Although I'll be running around enough that I could definitely eat all the scones, and that won't be a problem. But, uh, I wonder what you know. What? I'm, I'm trying to think if there's a cat. Did I mention that? In the, I don't. People will get confused by that. I made scone. I made homemade oh, I scones before the uh, the uh, the mass of the Duke and Duchess. Just because I don't know, right. I felt and like we it. were talking. You see, that's because awesome, I'm a baker. Because like, I like doing that. I think we need a little kitchen in this booth. You can bake stuff. Here. I'd get a lot less work done, but we'd eat a lot better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we can do talking Catholic while we eat baked goods, pastries, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, man, okay. but Mike, it's, we've we've talked about ten minutes too long. Um, but no good. Hey, I'm in- supposed to say that. Don't you try to, to ridicule yourself for going eleven <laughs> minutes on the news? But we did. We, there was a lot of pre-talk this time. <laughs> well, I will. Yes, but all good news of the Diocese of Camden. Go to camdendiocese.org for more news information. Uh, all the, there's a calendar on the, on the right-hand side where you can check out all these things we just talked about and more. So don't miss anything going on in this diocese. 
Mike, who do we have with us in the booth again? We have a very special guest, the the person who is still the number one podcast episode that we've ever had. He was one of our first podcast uh, interviewees, and it's uh, Father Chris Mann is joining us today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Pete. This is uh, this is the first. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't back had you back sooner for no other reason than to boost our numbers because uh, I it's uh, yeah it, uh, several hundreds of people have listened to that episode all locally and they continue to it's still it's still to this day every now and again you know we're a year out more than a year out now and I'll still get one or two new listens and anytime I see it or a new like or something like that and it's the Father Chris Man episode well, it's all downhill from here I'm I sure. don't know I don't know. <laughs> That was you were yeah we we started out big with you but uh, thank you very much for joining us again and this episode as we we noted before we're recording it um, a few days before Memorial Day and we wanted to, when Pete and I were talking about who to have on uh, not only did we want to get all the extra clicks of having Father Man here but um, the we wanted to do a Memorial Day themed episode and we thought it'd be good to have someone who uh, is a Marine uh, and and a priest of the diocese. And uh, just sort of talk about what Memorial Day means for, for someone with a background like that, as someone who has served and has been of service to, uh, to remembering uh, fallen soldiers. So just to kind of go back, for anyone who didn't listen to the, the podcast from a year ago, uh, how did you sort of decide to become a Marine? Well, I actually was interested in being an aviator. I wanted to fly jet fighter planes. And I went to the Air Force first, and they said, your vision's not good enough. So then I went to the Navy. They said, your vision's not good enough. And so I went to the Army, and they said, your vision's not good enough. So then I went to the Marines, and your vision's not good enough. Mm. But by that point, I had fallen in love with the Marines, and, you know, I thought their sense of esprit de corps and, you know, just what they stood for. I didn't really know that much about it. I just kind of sort of stumbled upon it and fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. How old were you at this point? Well, when I was looking initially, I was 16. I was 17 when I enlisted, and I just oh. turned literally days after my 18th birthday, I went off to basic training at Paris Island. Is that the minimum age requirement for the Marines? Well, you have to have a parent sign for you if you're 17. So my mother had to sign. So she looked at me and she said, Chris, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yeah, Mom, I'm sure. So she signed with a tear in her eyes. Mm. Good mom. I've talked to a few moms of uh, people who have enlisted at a young age, and uh, they—they're—it's always bittersweet for them. They're proud every single time. They are proud of their sons for doing it, but always scared for their <laughs> sons at the yeah. same time. Although I think, in hindsight, it certainly worked out well for you. Sure. No, I always remember when I was visiting home, I would uh, have to walk down that alleyway to get into the airplane, and. It was always hard not to look back because you wanted to look back, but I knew my mother was crying whenever I walked away. Yeah. But you just sort of had to put your chest high and walk and not think about it, you know. So, <laughs> so what did your what did your military career consist of? Well, I was uh, my first duty station after training was at the First Marine Expeditionary Force headquarters in Camp Pendleton, California. Uh, for those who don't know what a expeditionary force is, it's higher than the division. It's basically, it's kind of like the diocese with all the parishes. <laughs> Everything falls into this one thing. You know, it's 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 the hugest uh, element of the Marines, other than the whole Marines itself. And it was a it was a headquarters, and I worked in the in the uh, the unit there that uh, dealt with operational plans and contingency plans for basically everywhere in the whole world. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, it was pretty pretty cool. We had security clearance and was 18 years old, top secret security clearance. I remember going home one mm. time and my neighbors were saying, hey, uh, Chris, uh, uh, the FBI was walking around here inquiring about you. And I says, oh, don't <laughs> worry about that. That was just my security clearance. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. My second duty station, I was with Marine Security Force, which is kind of the complete antithesis. So you went from this big, big, massive headquarters unit all the way down to a 90 unit, 90 or to 100 uh, men, and we actually had one woman Marine who was stationed with us by mistake, but they kept her because <laughs> it was an all-male unit at that time. Hmm. And, um, you know, it was basically uh, in Iceland of all places, and at that time it was the most strategic earth in the whole world, plot of earth, uh, because anything coming into the North Atlantic from the Soviet Union had to go past there first, mm-hmm. so it was like an outpost. So it was like a real-world tour of duty that was pretty wow. cool and then after that i went to the mag 16 headquarters back out in california in a place called tustin um actually if you've ever been to orange county airport you've been literally across the street from that base oh really which no longer exists yeah um you see the two hangars there they were world war ii era blimp hangars the largest wooden structures in the world from what i understand at least they were um and that was another headquarters but a, for a helicopter unit uh, and that unit was deployed in the first Persian Gulf War uh, as part of the, uh, the initiative there mm-hmm. uh, back when we were trying to help liberate Kuwait. Right. The, uh, so how long did you stay in the, the Corps? I was in for six years active duty, and I had two years of reserve time. Mm-hmm. Now, as I recall from our, our conversation before, uh, it was during your time in the Marine that you first started considering uh, religious life, right? Yeah, actually, when I was at that duty station in Iceland, I got invited to go to a retreat, and I didn't really want to go on it. The only reason I got invited was because um, I had spent my Sundays down at the base chapel, and I really kind of liked this girl, Katie, who was there. Uh, and I was spending the whole day. I didn't care if it was the Catholic service, the Jewish service, whatever service. I was setting up tables, taking down chairs, doing whatever, just so I could hang out with Katie, which obviously never worked out. Mm, but poor Katie. God had another vocation in mind. <laughs> <laughs> so the priest, uh, who was an Air Force chaplain, a Filipino uh, by the name of Father Manny, he, uh, he said, I want you to go on this retreat. And I tried to twist my arm out of it. Long story short, he prevailed and... And on that retreat, I had this experience of an interior voice saying, "Be my priest, be my priest," mm. and here I am. So, wow. And and you went. Um, you didn't go directly into the diocesan life. You you were a religious first, right? Yes, I was uh, basically 15 years with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, mm-hmm. um, uh, the C- CFR Sisters, Sisters of the Renewal, just opened up their convent in Atlantic City. So uh, they yeah. do basically the same sorts of things that we did as friars. Um, and I had a lot of that sort of experience, except overseas. Uh, we opened up a friary in the north of England, in London itself, uh, in Ireland, in the north of Ireland. Uh, I was in Sudan for a while, so a lot of travels, yeah. opening up new things. You know. <laughs> and do you think life as a Marine prepared you for life as a uh, religious? I would say so, yeah. <laughs> well, I got to learn how to sleep in a sleeping bag. So oh, the friars and I'm presuming the sisters, uh, we, we didn't have beds. Mm-hmm. So uh, we slept on the floor, kind of roughed it. Yeah. You know. Certainly I, uh, Sudan was very... I was very well prepared for that, the mud huts and all that sort yeah. of stuff. That it's, was, it's, that it's, in some ways, it's it's somewhat ironic that as a Marine, it was as a religious... Uh, uh, were you a friar or a, or a priest? Uh, I was when, both. I you, started out as a, as a, as a brother mm-hmm. and went through all my seminary. In fact, the bishop 
went to the same seminary that I went to, or I went to the same seminary he did. <laughs> oh, Dunwoody, right? Dunwoody, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have Henry there now, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. it's a great seminary. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's and, fantastic. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's as a as a, uh, a friar, you end up going to the Sudan to yeah in terms of salvation rather than uh, that's right liberation. I never got shot at once as a marine, except at the the rifle range where the bullets are flying over your head, but you're well protected. Yeah, that's just sort of a calculated thing, but. Uh, twice I was in live fire situations as as a friar. Wow! You know, uh, so that was oh pretty wild. Gosh. Do you yeah. think that uh, could could you have asked for better training? As uh... I couldn't. <laughs> I'm sure there's there's a lot of discipline both involved. Too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing that you take away that takes you into any branch of civilian life. You know, the discipline and the self discipline. Everybody thinks that the Marines or the military in general is is this harsh you know, kind of disciplinarian entity. But what they instill in you is a self, uh, a sense of self-discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're getting disciplined, you really screwed up uh, somewhere along the way, and you screwed up because you didn't do what you were supposed to do on your own. And, right. You know, so it, it, proper use of initiative and, you know, kind of those sorts of things. And being creative at times, It's everybody thinks the military is not very creative. Well, you're... you're always thinking outside the box and I'm the natural outside the box thinker <laughs> no, actually it does sound like a also a perfect uh, precursor to the priesthood as well you know yeah. be disciplined think outside the box use your initiative here's the biggest connect with with my vocation is the sense of mission mm-hmm. um, you know uh, the word mission uh, we get missionary ite uh, misa est in Latin is the in the sense of being sent with the mission of the church, yeah. the missionary mandate from Matthew 28. You know, you're sent with a mission, and the mission automatically puts you in something, a bigger context than yourself, right? You, you don't go into a mission for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not what a mission is. A mission is about, you know, something bigger than you. So your country, your uh, creed, your, uh, you know, ideals, things that you, even your brothers in arms or your sisters in arms, you know, there's always something, a bigger purpose than yourself. And you see that in, in veterans. Uh, you see that even in those who we memorialize, yeah. you know, especially in those who we memorialize. Uh, we're, I know we're going to be talking about Memorial Day, so I'm sort of preempting you a little bit. But, <laughs> no, 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 no. But, uh, but it's interesting because I was thinking about this. Um, in, in our Catholic faith, we uh, honor the saints, and specifically we honor those who have fallen as saints, uh, the martyrs, as we call them. The word martyr means witness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. on the liturgical celebrations of martyrs, we always wear red, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but also the symbol of blood. And I was thinking of my own Marine Corps uniform. Once you become a non-commissioned officer, an NCO, you get a red stripe. It's called a blood stripe. Mm. And it's pretty much the same color red as the vestments I wear uh, to honor the martyrs. And that's the symbolism is there as well. The blood stripe is to remind you of those who have fallen. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, no, no, if you're talking about the red martyrs, what, there's classification, there's a white martyr too, correct? Well, white martyrs are those who have lived the Christian life of purity. They, you know, uh, they're not, they're witnesses in a sense, but they didn't lay down their life. But a white martyr, like St. Maximilian Colby is kind of that famous story of him having the offer of the two crowns from our Blessed Lady when I think he was like 10 years old you know, choose the red or the white, and he says, I choose vo- both. So the the, the white yeah. crown was the virtue of purity, so living, you know, in Christian virtues, all across the board of the virtues, uh, which he certainly exemplified. Um, and then 
he ultimately laid down his life as as a martyr, as St. John Paul would call him, the martyr of love, mm-hmm. because he wasn't, you know, um, so much asked to deny his faith, but he gave his life for another, which is basically what Jesus Christ did for all of us. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you, oh, go ahead. No, sorry, Mike. No, no, I was uh, I was just going to comment, going back to the, the red stripe down the pants. I don't think I ever realized that uh, uh, the uh, there were Marines that didn't have the red stripe. So you're saying... Yeah, when Prior you're to becoming a, a private, private first class or lance corporal doesn't have a blood stripe. Yeah. And the officers, theirs is, I think, an inch wide, and the enlisted, if I recall correctly, don't quote me on this, but I think <laughs> it's three quarters of an inch. So. Okay. So I guess that's supposed to represent that the officers are supposed to be even greater, you know, witnesses. Hmm. Well, isn't it? Isn't it? About, it's, um, I don't know, it's making me think of that, you know, we, we are tested in fire. And we come out, you know, better, like God tests us. That could be something, you know, we, uh, in the spiritual life, you know, we carry scars, but those scars have strengthened us. So maybe that stripe, you know, when you're on commission, it seems to have gotten wider. You said, right? It's bigger. It's an inch instead of a third, three-fourths. So it's simple. I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but it could just be symbolizing what, as you get older, you get more scars you get more red you get more blood but it's made you such a better person because you're participating in a bigger story yeah well i think that the major point of the stripe whether it's an inch or three quarters um is that it keeps you connected uh it reminds you of the sacrifices that other people have made you know for the things that we often take for granted Mm -hmm. and you know in terms of our faith we celebrate the saints they keep us connected to where we've come from you mentioned the royal wedding uh, a little earlier i actually i'm not one that's kind of warm and cuddly type but i couldn't (laughs) help but get you know uh into it a little bit and i i saw the very beginning and the very end i never even actually saw megan walk down the aisle but um you know, uh, one of the things I was reflecting on is how popular this event was. Mm-hmm. And, and I couldn't even escape it myself. Yeah. And I was pondering, why is that? And you mentioned the pageantry and all that. And it made me think that, um, like, doing a lot of work with young people, um, you know, there's a counterintuitive thing that happens. Um, one approach to dealing with youth is that everything has to be hip-hop, rap, you know, the you know the, the, the very modern approach to everything. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, mm-hmm. kind of being relevant in the contemporary culture. But what I find uh, consistently is uh, we recently had a fearless retreat, which is kind of rooted in Youth 2000 and what have you, a mm. uh, very traditional approach to a retreat. And the young people love it. You know, they, you know, when you teach them the rosary, you teach them the, the things of the faith. And I work with altar servers. I love working with altar servers because you teach them all the different mm-hmm. things and how the, the they, they love the sense of reverence and the traditions and i and i think that there's this innate sense in us that longs to be connected to the past yeah uh, to, to to and i think that that uh royal wedding kind of tapped into that sense that mm-hmm. everything is so fleeting but they're customs you see those flags that you know are in the chapel mm-hmm. you know uh, was it St. George's Chapel? St. George's, yeah. St. George's Chapel. You know, you see all that. Those those flags have been around for years and years and years and years and years, yeah. decades and generations. De- uh, uh, hundreds, hundreds of years. years. Hundreds yeah. of years, yeah. You know, and, and there's this sense of being connected to something that's going to be around in 10 years. It's going yeah. to be around in 100 years. You know, Facebook, Twitter, it might all be gone five years from now. Right. You know, there's always the next new thing, mm-hmm. but there's the sense of 
permanence, yeah. you know, that makes our life meaningful. Right. That that castle where the the wedding, not that I want to talk about the wedding, but I'm, I'm shocked we're doing it. But but the going back to your point, um, and that sense of history, that is, that castle uh, that castle is the oldest operating castle uh, currently and and continue to be lived in, and it dates back to the 1300s. So it's been, it has been, and it continues to be a continuously operating castle, including the the chapel that, that goes along with it. And the chapel, I think, goes back to the 1500s. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, as Amer, and I think that's one of the reasons why Americans tend to get fascinated with um, with the English specifically, and but also with Italians and and all of the European countries, um, is because there is such a long lineage. To, and to see we're a young country. You know, we've been around 250, 300 years, 400 years, you include the colonies. Um, but we don't have anything that goes that goes back that far. That's and right. It's, and it's nice yeah. to see that. I literally slept in a building that was built before the United States existed. Right. When I first moved over to England. Yeah. You know, and they, um, they value their culture generally across the board. I mean, I'm sure there's people who could care less about it, but in, in general, you know, the people value their culture. Kind of like we uh, would say, you know, we've, we value our flag or our mm-hmm. patriotism and things like that. The, where we have love of country and, and the flag and things like that, they, they have a love of the culture, the culture that has, you know, been prosperous in many places, brought other places to prosperity. Mm-hmm. In fact, is, you know, not disconnected in some regards from our own culture. Yeah. You know, so... Um, yeah. So that, I, and, and, yeah, no. I, I, I you know, listen. There are there are elements to, and I'm listen. I'm the first to. I mean, I'm a history. I was a history major. I know all the things that went went bad in in the British Empire. And let's face it. You know, we broke away. We get it. There were things that needed to be cleaned up. But there are also elements of British history that that these these moments that harken back to times of of formality and wondrousness that don't exist any longer. But I will. I will. Anytime I hear about the the queen giving out knighthoods, I mean, I'll check it out. They do it, and they they have the Order of Canada in in Canada, and and I will flip it on real quick. It's done once a year, just to see. I my, the last time I watched was a couple of years ago. It was Michael J. Fox was getting uh, the Order of Canada, <laughs> but it's an extension of the the Queen of England, right. even though it's done by yeah. the Governor General of of Canada. Hmm. Um, but you know, in the United States. We have things that are similar to that. You know, they'll they'll give out the oh oh shoot, uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional right, Medal right, of Honor. Yeah. I, I don't think those get nearly the the play that you'll see these sure. royal uh, yeah. awards given. Yeah. And, and part of me kind of misses that. If sure. one of the things that I've enjoyed about working for the diocese, and we haven't done it yet, although I, I think at some point down the road we will probably will. Uh, but other dioceses nearby have done it. Are papal awards awards that are are bestowed from the Vatican, and, and they use those the in Pope. England. Yeah, I never knew they existed until I lived in England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's so. I mean, it's it's there are, and even though they may be meaningless in the ter- in in the from a respect from a Christian perspective in the sense of you know you it's an award you're getting recognized you know it's not necessarily giving anything back to the world at large but it does give you a sense of meaning connectiveness you know there it's i don't know a bit of fascination i I don't think that those things are in and of themselves a bad thing yeah well and you know even in the marines or any military or the police Mm -hmm. or the fire department you know when people are doing 
whatever heroic thing that they're doing or, or virtuous thing, doesn't even have to necessarily touch upon heroism, mm-hmm. you know, they're not sitting there calculating in their mind, oh, if I do A, B, C, and D, I'm going to get this really cool award. Right. Right. Uh, and when you get the award, you you know, and, and this is especially true the higher the award goes, because I've had the very great privilege of meeting, I think, five or six different Medal of Honor recipients. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they basically adopt the mentality that, Anybody in my situation would have done the same exact thing. Yeah. You know, I just happened to be me. Yeah. But what it does is you you never receive that award for yourself. It's kind of like when Mother Teresa received the Nobel Peace Prize. She said, I'm not taking this for myself. I received this for the poor. It, it really keeps you connected to the, that greater purpose that I was talking about. You know, I am espousing these values and these, these this sense of mission that is part of this police organization or this military organization or whatever the organization mm-hmm. is that's bigger than me. And you feel like you're living up to what you're called to live up to. Yeah. But it's never about you. you right. know, I'm not going to say that people don't get proud of themselves. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's also <laughs> part of it. But, you know, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, but it's important that we have this connection with the past. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, you know, again, talking about Memorial Day, you know, there's the old saying, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it's very important that we remember. And we have to remember the good and the bad. Um, I'm sure you know that there's a mentality in our society that says we should just basically erase the past history. Yeah. Let's tear down this statue, this, that. Yeah. If we adopted that mentality, we would get rid of the whole United States of America because it re- would remind us of the evils of colonialism mm-hmm. that led to us and religious persecution that re- led to the pilgrims fleeing from England to come here. You know, we would just get rid of the whole... <laughs> in That's fact, right. we would get rid of all of human history because, yeah. you know, it Evil would take of- us all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Yeah. Right. You know, you know, if you do a, you know, a regression there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, so, you know, so it's important that, you know, days like Memorial Day keep us connected to the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, in Memorial Day, we, we remember the good, those people who have died, which was a bad thing, obviously, for them and their families. But but it reminds us that there's, um, you know, that there's, um, you know, something that's that's enduring. And, yeah. And, you know, and it was interesting because I was looking up the history of Memorial Day. It goes back to the post-Civil War. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Civil War, of course, died in 1865 or ended in 1865. And as a result of the Civil War, uh, in lo- local grassroots areas, they began to have these memorial services. And, you know, they were just sort of disparate. They're sort of, like I said, grassroots. They just sort of emerged. And then um, I think it was May the 5th in 68, 1868, you know, there was one, and then out of that, the general declared that there should be one throughout the whole nation, and that was basically the birth of Memorial Day, and it was held in Arlington uh, Memo- uh, National Cemetery, and it honored the 20,000 both North and South soldiers that died. Mm-hmm. So it, this Memorial Day began as a healing moment, right? It was, you know, there was this great travesty of the Civil War, the bloodiest war in American history. And, you know, brothers killed brothers and, you know, you know, all that was represented in that, that war. But, you know, this, this Memorial Day was a moment of healing. Yeah. And then it got extended after the First World War, which was the next really major, major war that we were involved in. And, um, you know, to include not just the Civil War, but basically all wars. And uh, became an official holiday, in, I think, in 1971. Mm-hmm. It was actually 18, seven, 1970 or 68, it was declared, but it went into effect in mm-hmm. 71. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's been that ever since. Yeah, and it's I, I often will remind people that um, I'm a firm believer that the 
veterans should be uh, remembered all year round, but that there is a difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Absolutely. You know, and I think sometimes it that gets conflated. Gets, it does. It does. And, not, and in a good way, it gets conflated. It's always good to remember our, our current military and our, and our veterans. But this is really for the people who lay down their lives uh, or yeah. gave their life for, for a cause um, yeah. or in service to their country. Yeah, I think it's kind of okay that on Veterans Day we remember those who have fallen, but right. on Memorial Day we should really kind of hone in on yeah. those who have fallen. Yeah. You know, they have a beautiful custom. They have these formal dinings, you know, that or dinners that, that, that uh, they have in the military. They're called dinings in or mess nights or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they always set up a table that has – a chair tilted, kind of like at a, at a Jewish Seder meal, mm-hmm. where the chair would be uh, uh, tilted up because nobody's going to sit there. And, um, you know, there'd be different decorations and things, things representing the fallen. And, and there's always a POW MIA flag mm-hmm. uh, and also, you know, remembrance of those who have who have died. Yeah. You know, so... Um, it's 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 a very moving thing when you see that table. I mean, I, you know, I was listening to something the other day, and I realized that there's still about eighty three thousand uh, POW MIAs, people that really? just never oh, have gosh. been accounted for, going back to the um, First World War, and mm-hmm. you know, not just Vietnam, but through Korea and what have you. Um, you know, uh, there was a guy who just died. I think he was ninety eight years old, but. Not too many years ago, he started this initiative to try and reclaim some of these. And he was able to, in his old age, start this organization that has so far found mass graves that had like 5,000 different veterans' wow. remains in it yeah. from, I believe, the Second World War. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, So, I mean, there's still this, this whole group of people that are yeah. just not even accounted for. And, so, and you know, sometimes you'll, I'll, I'll hear from people, well, you know, that's the past. Why do we, you know, let, let the past be the past. But I... You know, no, that's not that's not what our culture is. Our culture is to remember there is, you know, every life that passed on before us was a life that had value. And as Catholics in particular, you know, we we very much there's a reason why we have a right of Christian burial, because we one day expect to be reunited with these people that have gone before us. Um, And which is why as as a society, we remember these people. It's why Memorial Day is more than just the parade that goes through your town and, and the opening day of the, the unofficial opening day of summer. It's, it's a day to remember these people who gave the last full measure of devotion to, for their country, whether it's, and, and, and more than that, this is not something that's just uh, in the United States. I mean, England has a pair of days related to this. They have Remembrance Day and, and another day. And um, that's if, if you, I watch British television a lot, so it, you'll see the uh, usually Poppy presenters with the, with the poppies on their on it. I love that mm. tradition. I wish it's. I know in the the British Commonwealth and in Britain itself, the the wearing of the poppies is uh, normal. I would love it if the United States uh, adopted that at some point. I have one in my office at a uh, Canadian gave me many years ago and i keep it there just as a reminder you know as a constant reminder of those who have come on before us now what about as as a pastor um you certainly um probably have uh overseen a number of memorial day events i would imagine oh yeah um every year practically uh although i'm new to my pastorship in atco um so i haven't specifically been asked for anything this year but um Every year, I've practically that I've been in the diocese, I've been asked to, to lead some prayers somewhere. I've done several over in Runnymede. Uh, the last couple of years before uh, coming to ATCO, I was in uh, Woodbury Heights, mm-hmm. and for like three years running, I was 
presiding at a prayer for for that. And I wrote a prayer that I led, and it was probably about a four to five minute prayer. Um, and it was so well received that um, they decided they're building a memorial there uh, for veterans, uh, for memorial fallen veterans, and they're going to put a time capsule mm. into this uh, um, memorial. So they asked me for permission to use this as one of the artifacts that they'll put into the time capsule. So 50, 100 years from now, somebody's going to pull out a slip of paper and says, Father Chris Mann, and they're going to say, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was, you know, it was uh, just something I was inspired to write at that point. Yeah. I believe they actually used it the next year, like, they? which was last year. Um, they used it for something. Uh, they said, do you mind if we read you? I'll be flattered. Flattery, mm -hmm. I mean, imitation is the best form of flattery. So you want to use my speech? I was like, yeah. yeah. I never imagined that would ever happen, but. Yeah, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the mess dinners. Um, yes. On in the in the military, how does how do how do the how does the military celebrate Memorial Day? Like, is there is there does anything happen on base? Is it? Uh, is they it is would probably have a color ceremony, mm -hmm. not unlike if anybody's ever been to a uh, funeral for uh, for a veteran, mm -hmm. uh, for all veterans. But they would have something like that. Um, I know it's pretty ubiquitous to put um, wreaths. Uh, at the graves of those who, in fact, Memorial Day was originally called Decoration Day mm -hmm. uh, before the world, First World War because the tradition would be to go and decorate the graves of the fallen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know that there's, there's a movement called Wreaths Across America. You know, they uh, uh, put wreaths uh, on all the, I think at, uh, at Arlington, but they, they've expanded to others cemeteries military veteran cemeteries and what have you so mm -hmm. they they put the the wreaths there mm -hmm. again it's sort of honoring veterans but just um you know uh you yeah know, you they still they still have decoration day i think in, in oklahoma yeah. where i have family that i was thinking about that term so it's the same thing it sounds like i thought decoration day was different it's but it's the same the weekend. original name of it yeah the original name okay i thought yeah. i don't know maybe their decoration days this weekend then i have relatives in Oklahoma, so with uh, and you, one of the people we tried to get on, unfortunately couldn't, was a military chaplain here, and you know some of them, right? You know a few of them. Yeah, we have in our diocese Father Miles Barrett. Uh, in fact, I did actually speak to him yesterday. Uh, oh, he called me in the morning. He had just gotten back. He he's getting ready to actually go on a. Uh, he's retired as a Navy chaplain. Uh, he'd been at the Coast Guard base down in Cape May, but he's getting ready to do a, a, a month over in Guantanamo Bay to oh, relieve really? the chaplain over there because oh. he can only leave one time a year and whatever. Yeah. So he's, this will be his third time going to Gitmo, <laughs> wow. you know, um, to to spend some time there. But he just got back uh, from from Lords of all places, wow. which really is relevant to our discussion now that I think about it, uh, because there it was a wounded warrior um, uh, event. And the Knights of Columbus uh, sponsors to bring hundreds and hundreds of wounded warriors over to uh, the uh, to the shrine in Lourdes. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you've ever been to Lourdes, they have the big procession with mm -hmm. you know those who are suffering from different sicknesses and whatever. This is all wounded warriors, and they try and get one priest for every so many people that's that's there. So. Uh, I was just invited to maybe do that maybe next year. Oh, that'd be you great. Know, that would be it. Would be great. I've been to Lords once, but can't I, ever go enough. So our seminarians are uh, leaving for Lords. As a matter of fact, uh, I think they may have left yesterday. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. And uh, they'll, they'll be doing two weeks at Lords as uh, caretakers. 
for the for uh, the malls. Yeah. I think that's what they're called. And um, the and then they're going to do a portion of the Camino afterwards. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, the the seminarians are it, they're what they're signing up for in general, and certainly in this trip is is difficult, and it's it's emotionally. <laughs> It's 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 an emotional burden as well as a physical burden, but one that they'll receive such great graces because of. Uh, and I'm very proud of them. It's it's great that they get these experiences. Um, the uh, you know I was going to go back to something you said about Arlington. Um, I had the privilege of going to a funeral at Arlington Seminary a few years ago for uh, an uncle-in-law who had served for many years, and um, I'd always heard about the ceremonies, but didn't you know had never been to one. And it is without a doubt one of the most moving experiences I've ever seen. And, and the fact that they do it for every single person the, who is buried in Arlington, the, the pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. that goes with it, the, the, the memorial that goes with it, and the procession with it. It was, it was I was truly awestruck as someone who, di- who has always had a strong appreciation for uh, the men and women <coughs> who have served, but with great regret never did. Um, it, was, it was really touching. Well, the, one of the remarkable things about Arlington, I think people probably know this, but the, uh, and I'll throw a prop out to an army soldier <laughs> or, or several of them, but they, you know, that post is never left unmanned or unwomaned. Mm-hmm. You know, they, uh, uh, there's always someone there and there's video of them in the middle of like blizzards and whatever, they're walking their post, Yep. you know, in, in the most extreme circumstances, they're walking their post. They never leave those people who are there unremembered. Yeah. Right, you kind of like the Queen's. What is it? The the men and getting back to England. The Beefeaters. Oh uh, no, yeah, the, yeah, the, the men. Royal, they're, some, I forget what yeah. they're called. With the guards. I know somebody who was in that division. Yeah, the, the Royal Guard. But it's true. It's uh, and, but I. That's what I like about it's because it's funny. We, even further back, I was thinking about the tomb of the uh, the unknown soldier. Yeah. Never left alone. Always guarded. Always there. Always remembered. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, for those of us, you know, in our daily lives, we you know. How often do we get to go back to the one of the cemeteries that we have loved ones buried in? Um, and it's I think it's a habit that my my generation and younger um, have not yet appreciated yet, which is going back and remembering those that have come before us. I remember as a kid, I did. I remember spending a lot of time in cemeteries as a child, but as an adult, I've I found that I, I do it far less, and I I'm somewhat ashamed because of it. I. I think I'm going to have to make an effort this weekend well, it's, to make back. You know, talking to Mike about stories, uh, I've been thinking a lot. I grew up on my dad's, my mom's father in Arkansas. Uh, I knew him as a dentist. Everybody knew him. He'd wake up early in the morning. <laughs> one of the nicest guys, he was Baptist. He was devout. Uh, man about town. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew his dental practice. But I have to confess, I'm sorry, Mom. But I just, for some reason, only got into my head the last years of his life that he was a naval, uh, he was in the Navy. He was a dental surgeon in uh, the Korean War, in World mm-hmm. War II. And I need to, Mom, if you're listening, I'm going to come home, have dinner, and we're going to talk about Pawpaw, <laughs> as we Very called good. him. So just uh, just remembering him. And, you know, we, you know, talking about people, we try to erase the past. We can't forget. 
you know, we can't forget the sacrifices. No, no, it's and, absolutely true. And that's, and, you know, going back to everything we discussed with the pomp and circumstance from the very beginning and, and, you know, I mean, even, even when a priest dies, not even when, but when a priest dies, there are beautiful touching moments in that. Yeah. Or even uh, the mother of a priest. One of my favorite traditions with the mother of a priest isn't, um, isn't it when the mother of a priest dies, uh, her hands are wrapped in the stole of... It's called some, a manaturgium. It's, yeah. it's a cloth that when your hands were anointed by the bishop with the oil, uh, with the chrism oil, mm-hmm. um, the very fragrant, beautiful oil. Um, you use a cloth to wipe your hands, and so that cloth has the oil, the chrism, forever in it because you don't wash it. Yeah. So uh, I remember giving that to my mom. and She had no idea. And most moms don't, unless you have a priest who's gone before you, you know, they have no idea. So it's a very moving mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. But, you know, um, when a loved one dies, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a parent, uh, who dies, you're never going to forget your mother when she dies. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to forget your husband or wife when he or she dies. And especially parents will never forget their child mm-hmm. when the child dies, yeah. right? So um, you you just can't erase those memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Memorial Day and these, these celebrations keep us connected nationally because we can't forget. I mean, we can get distracted, whatever, but it's part of our history, yeah. you know. Just think how crazy it would be if you're you forgot your mom when she died. I mean, I know, I know. you know, you forget yeah. everything she ever taught you. That's right, <laughs> and yeah. I'd be in trouble if yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm been thinking. You. I've been reflecting lately. I read somewhere talking about uh, on the Holy Eucharist is a celebration, the, the communion where we are in the communion of saints. And I don't think about this when I go to Mass all the time, but I've been trying to reflect, especially during the consecration, that I am there with my family, my spiritual family, the physical people there with me, but also the ones who have gone before. And I think of my grandfather, my grandmother. And it's, is that something like, is, is I it's mean, funny my you bring theology it, is... Yeah, it's funny <laughs> you bring it up because I was thinking this myself, so you perfect segue into it. But in the Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, the sense of memory is something that's very um, theologically rich. So for Christians, especially for Catholics, the sense of memory, Jesus said those most profound words, do this in memory of me, mm-hmm. right? And that's, you know, at that moment for for Catholics, uh, we're not just remembering in, sen- in the sense of recollecting something from the past. We're literally the, the, the bridge between the past and the present. The past is present in the in the. Uh, the past is present in the in this present moment, and we're connected to an event that took place 2,000 or so years ago yeah. that still saves us today. So it's not simply just you know bearing in mind something from the past; it's making that past thing into the present. Mm-hmm. And the Jews, uh, the, our Jewish brothers and sisters, uh, had a very similar concept with the Seder meal, the, the the Passover. They would ask the question: In the present, why is this night different from any other night? You know, yeah. uh, and they would recall. Uh, the stories of the Exodus, and in making that uh, recollection, in telling the story, it made it present again, mm-hmm. right? And that's very similar to what I think the the idea of Memorial Day is. You know, um, I can imagine families sitting at. You just talked about talking about your papa. You know, um, families getting together tonight. Remember uh, Jimmy? You know, uh, when he was, um, you know. Uh, a teenager that when the time when he wrecked the car or did you know some silly thing and then he became this great soldier a marine or sailor and then he gave his life um 
there's a woman in the diocese who I urge you to kind of maybe meet sometime, and this would be somebody who maybe for a follow-up segment you would want to consider. Her name is Trudy Korma. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear of Trudy Korma? Mm-hmm. Her son. Oh, uh, Salvatore Korma. Sal Korma, yes. I've heard of him. Yes. I know the last Sal, Sal was a student in my old parish school, um, St. Margaret's School. And to, to hear the stories about Sal, I mean, he's just such a great kid, you know. Um, all the qualities that you would think of in a pushover kid, but yet the kid was able to have, you know, cinder blocks broken on his stomach because mm-hmm. he was that strong with karate. He went to West Point. Um, he was the kid who. When somebody new came to the school, would go and welcome the new kid, you know, make them feel connected and whatever. Well, and long story short, he gets uh, deployed to Iraq, and he ultimately uh, died in Iraq. And uh, as, as I understand, he's being considered for the Medal of Honor, mm. um, you know. But he was he was the platoon uh, sergeant or no platoon commander. I'm sorry uh, for for this group, and something didn't seem right. And he could have easily, he had the authority to send one, like a private or somebody to, to go. He, he took the initiative. He went forward and realized, he told the men to fall back and they weren't listening. And apparently he never used foul language, mm-hmm. right? He never used foul language. But at that moment, probably his last words were sprinkled with a little bit of French <laughs> because he needed to get the men to pay attention and to, to fall back and whatever. And, of course, he was blown up by an IED. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know... But to hear the mother, uh, Trudy, talk about him is, is just an amazing thing. Um, you know, the post office in Deptford um, was renamed after him about a yeah, year and a half right. ago, maybe two years ago. Um, you know, but she's an incredible woman who's, you know, we, we, we shouldn't forget the parents of the, those who, you know, especially in the recent times, who have laid down their lives as well. So mm-hmm. we're not only remembering the sacrifice of the men and the women who have died in combat, we remember the Gold Star moms and the Gold Star dads, you know, um, how much they've invested into our way of life and, and what it cost us to be who we are as a country. And uh, God forbid we ever lose that. Yeah. God forbid we ever forget. In our bulletin yeah. this week at uh, Christ the Redeemer Parish, I actually put the, the symbol of the POWMIA. It says, we will never forget mm-hmm. on it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so God forbid we ever forget, and I hope that we never lose this great holiday of Memorial Day. Father, that is an excellent way of ending the podcast. Thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for being here. Pete, thank you very much for your reflections. Father, you're always welcome. Uh, thank you. Maybe thank next time we won't make you wait a year and a half, but uh, yeah. uh, thank Anytime. you very much for, Anytime. and thank you always for your service as well. And I, and, uh, I hope I know you'll be thinking of all the uh, servicemen who went before you, the men and women went before you uh, this Memorial Day. Um, but uh, thank you, and thank not everybody to contradict you, but can What's we that? just say a little prayer? Oh, please don't contradict. Uh, yeah, always, always we'll, contradict. Me. Most fitting to end with a prayer, especially yes. for our Sounds veterans good. who have died in service, and for their family and loved ones who continue to mourn them. So let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace, and may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. And may their souls uh, find comfort in the eternal Jerusalem, where every tear is wiped away, where they continue to watch over and love us as a country and as family members. May those who mourn the loss of loved ones, especially through the more recent wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, continue to uh, be consoled in the knowledge that their, their
their sons, their daughters are at rest with the Lord, and may they uh, never be forgotten. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Father. You're very welcome. Thank you. That was perfect. And to all of our listeners, thank you, and we'll be back next week. Pete, have a good weekend. You too. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Happy Memorial Day.